Cult Hackers and welcome to the podcast. I'm Celine, a media graduate with an interest in cults. And I'm Stephen. I'm Celine's dad. I'm also interested in cults. I was raised in a high control group up until about the age of 30. I'm an organisational psychologist and podcast host or co-host, Celine. <laughs> well, pretty much the host over the last couple of weeks because um, you've yeah. not been here. <laughs> yeah, but the thing is we have been recording them. Yeah as well you've just also been prolific haven't you i just go a bit off piece every now and again um there's another one coming up actually next week which is one with me and brent lee Mm -hmm. um and i mentioned that because that's kind of relevant to today's podcast we're kind of i suppose doing a, a bit of a double on a bit of conspiracy theories if you like but also i guess more importantly algorithms and ai so i've been sort of woken up to AI, like I think everybody else has really, it's suddenly become quite a yeah. big subject topic everywhere. And obviously I've known about it and we have spoken briefly about it before, haven't we? But mm-hmm. um, I think with, you know, some of the latest large language models, mm-hmm. that's kind of got everybody a bit spooked. Yeah, yeah. And, um, but also I guess there's still the usual fun of it. Um, the way I see it mostly is I get chat G. GPT to write my resignation letter those ones have been quite fun I've been enjoying those (laughs) Um, well just because they were quite funny because they come up in in the TikTok Mm. when you're on corporate TikTok it comes up a lot um but it was like (laughs) that was uh can you write um a response to why I won't be staying later at my job because I can't be sad and poor for any longer in a professional way (laughs) and things like that so that's been that's like the funny side of it Mm. um the horrifying side is watching the ai creations of um eating pizza those have been like i don't see any of these things i Mm. don't i don't i've not seen any of these things to which the playful bits the playful bits (laughs) just if you can just look at ai trying to create humans eating pizza and you'll be forever changed as a person (laughs) ai really doesn't understand how we negotiate eating pizza it would seem okay Okay, so that is the burning issue um yeah 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 Yeah. well i thought i'd start as funny because i wanted to start on a light note because (laughs) It quickly descends into we're in the end times because like the, the earth's going to set on fire and AI will take over because there's nothing else that can survive here. So, you know, <laughs> well, it, it does make you wonder whether um, we're creating the dystopia that we always writ- wrote to try and escape from. <laughs> yeah, but all my life, I've obviously been expecting Armageddon and um, the end of the world. And it feels like it's almost part of the human condition. I'm not I'm not saying that I'm not mm-hmm. worried about it. Um, I think it's all um you know overblown i have no no way of knowing but um, i guess none of us do but um um yeah it, it could it, it's possible we could be doing what we seem to have done as civilization as long as we've existed is to believe that the end is coming any day now and mm. um, there is something in our psyche i think that <laughs> that seems to if it's, it's not one thing it, it's another you no. know but in some ways i you know, if only uh, if only um, I believed that we really that we as a as a race really believed that, so maybe we'd deal with climate change. But oh well, for another well, podcast. Yeah, it is for another <laughs> podcast. There is something psychological about um, the question of yeah. We we seem to we really um, think the end is coming, but we just yeah. lay down with um, paper bags on our heads and wait <laughs> for the end like hitchhikers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Yeah, okay. A reference to Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, the movie there, if you don't mm-hmm. know what Celine's talking about. Right, okay. Well, I'll, Are we I into to... meat now? Is that it? We're ready to move on swiftly into the meat. Let's go. Yeah, I think uh, we've, we've um, over overworn the tolerance of most of our listeners now. Certainly if they're anything like me, I'll be thinking just get on with it now. So um, <laughs> it's time to get on with it. And I wanted to, I wanted to start with a quote i've been listening to the audiobook of stuart russell's uh, book called human compatible and stuart russell is a computer scientist he's been around quite a long time in this field he was one of the early uh, researchers into ai um, so he's you know been there from pretty much the start um, of the modern ai phenomena and um you know he's a very interesting guy but he has some real concerns and, and he is, 
I guess you would say worried. He's alerting everybody to some of the issues. And um, I mean, I think I don't really want to talk today about AI getting consciousness and trying to take over the world. That's actually not mm. my sort of area of interest. Um, I think, you know, that's that may or may not happen, but that's not what I mm. want to talk about today. For me, it's more um, the power of the algorithm. So if there's a sort of sub text for this podcast today it is the power of algorithms um so there's two types of fear around ai one is the you know the one where it becomes conscious and decides to kill everybody uh, you know and, and I don't, that's probably fairly unlikely for lots of reasons mainly but because classic. <laughs> why would it want to you know but um that nevertheless mm. is is what people it's made by about. humans i guess their fear is it will act like humans yeah you know it's possible but um but the the i think the more likely scenario is that it they just do the ai does what it does very very well and mm. to such a, a, a in a way that we probably didn't expect and we certainly didn't expect and that causes things to happen that we didn't anticipate and in a way mm. that's already happening that's already ah happening. so um the Sorcerer's Apprentice. This is a fantastic analogy, and it does demonstrate that we've worried about this sort of thing, you know, again for many, many years. Yeah, the Sorcerer's Apprentice, where he finds the wizard's book and decides to get the mops to fill, or the buckets to fill themselves, and so on. Good old Fantasia. Yes, that's easy to remember, Mm -hmm. that one. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, loses control, and that is the fear. But And he's here talking about when AI is doing exactly what it's been designed to do. So this is not it getting out of control. This is just doing its job. He says, um, let me give you an example of systems doing exactly as they were designed to do and having disastrous consequences. Uh, And those are the recommender algorithms. So in social media, let's take YouTube, for example. When you watch a video on YouTube, it loads up another video for you to watch next. How does it choose that? So he then talks about this learning algorithm that's watched the behavior of millions and millions of YouTube users and which videos they watch and when they're suggested and which videos they ignore or watch a different video or even check out of YouTube altogether. And those learning algorithms are designed to optimize engagement, how much time you spend on the platform, how many videos you watch, how many ads you click on, and so on. And they're very good at that. So it's not that they have unpredictable failures, like they get it wrong all the time, and they don't have to be perfect anyway. They just have to be considerably better than putting up a random video. So I should say this is not a quote from his book, actually. This is from an interview that he gave with Sam Harris. So I've transcribed it. Uh, And the problem is that they're very good at doing that. But that goal of engagement is not aligned with the interests of the users. And the way the algorithms have found to maximize engagement is not just to pick the right next video, but actually to pick a whole sequence of videos that will in turn turn you into a more predictable victim. So they're literally brainwashing people so that once they're brainwashed, the system is going to be more successful at keeping them on the platform. They're like drug dealers. And so this is the problem. If we made that system much better, maybe using probabilistic programming, if that system understood that people exist and they have political opinions, if the system understood the content of the video, then they would be much more effective at this brainwashing task. So, uh, you know, that that's a really interesting point. So what he's saying here is that where we think what's happening when you watch a youtube video you see another one come up next this is the recommender algorithm we think what's happening there is it's trying to find another video that it might think we are interested in and at one level it is but actually what it's doing is it's creating a whole sequence of videos so that it starts to change what we're interested in so it's actually changing us as opposed to just serving us And so this, the algorithm isn't obviously conscious. It doesn't know it's doing this, but it's just like any algorithm. It's maximizing um, the, uh, the the way to achieve the goal. It's optimizing what it's doing. Um, and it's a bit like, you know, natural selection or evolution, things like that. These are not conscious things that are happening, but ultimately they are serving a purpose that, 
that produces some sort of adaptation. Um, and that's what's happening with these algorithms. Um, and that that really got me thinking about, you know, what uh, what these these things could actually do. I don't know what you think about that. So how does he how has he worked out how the algorithm works? Because lots of people talk about the algorithm yeah. and especially a lot of like, you know, content creators and stuff like that. You know, there's lots of jokes about all oh, hell, the algorithm. Yeah. <laughs> um, but like, how has he come to this conclusion? Um, I don't know the maths mm. involved, but um, I mean, there's there's two like things. I, I suppose, like, is he inside? Like, has he been behind the scenes? Because obviously an algorithm only works based on how it's been programmed to work. So was he part of, like, has he been part of programming algorithms or well, is he just, he's within the sphere so he knows about it? Or? Yeah, I mean, I guess he knows uh, a lot about this type of algorithm, mm. but he wouldn't know the specifics because Google are very um, tight-slipped about their mm. systems, aren't they? So mm -hmm. I'm sure he doesn't know exactly how it works. Um it might be some it might be good someday to get a proper expert on to mm. talk about AI. Um one of the, the one of the worries about AI is actually that you, you don't necessarily know what's going on in the algorithm. So you you kind of give it a so in the in the original AI, which is why there was a bit of a winter, an AI winter. So going back to the sort of 1990s, um, it was believed that AI, you know, was around the corner, and um, it seemed to it seemed to be something that we could do, and all we needed was more computing power. Um, but it became obvious that that actually wasn't the case because we were trying to build everything from kind of top down. So if we wanted to create um, a robot or something to walk across the room, we were trying to create that system to work out all of those steps and um, plan its route but what happened was it became clear that you, that was just so complicated that you couldn't do that anymore so what you had to do is make them um, kind of adaptable so they would learn so just like human beings learn by mistakes you know you fall over you try something else you do this you try something else you do that you try something else essentially that's what's happened um, and they're optimized to find the best way of doing something. So you, you don't really know all the what's happening underneath. This is the black box problem with AI is you, you don't actually know. So um, same goes for things like um, uh, recognition software. You know, so if you say to a, an AI, what's this? You know, it might tell you it's a cat or it might tell you it's a skyscraper you know sometimes they, they get it spectacularly wrong because you don't actually know what it is that it's seeing and how it's um, making those decisions obviously as it gets better they they become more reliable but we still don't really know what's happening under the bonnet so that's one of the concerns about it is the fact that we don't really understand exactly how these these algorithms are working because we've created this flexibility within it i see it's um I can't remember if I said this on the podcast before because I know some people are getting spooked as well because um you can ask yeah chat GPT to do things like um they gave it some money and said make as much money as you can and it started like bypassing some of the securities that we have in place so it's it it pretended to be a blind person and went on to um like a sort of support software for blind people to say I can't um see. Uh, I can't see. Can you tell me which boxes to tick so that mm. I can get through the "Are you a robot?" bit? And then they, someone said, "But are you a robot?" And it went, "No, no, I just vision impaired." Yeah. And it, in fact, was a robot. Was a robot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's your kind of um, ex machina movie scenario, isn't it? Mm. So that's uh, if you've watched that movie, then you'll you'll sort of recognise that. And um, this AI is recognising that. The only way it can escape is by using um, this this guy that's come to visit as a as a means to to get her um, out of that place, and so she uses him, and um, yeah, very very clever. But that's that's the problem. There was an old kind of um, sort of illustration about an AI in a box, 
and that if it's so much more intelligent than human beings it doesn't matter if you isolate it in a box at some point it's going to get out of that box because it will be able to manipulate the human beings around it to do it and uh, no matter what happens and that is that is a movie about that really mm. um but i i mean that's all very interesting and um probably for another podcast or a different podcast name um we could get into ai in a much bigger way but for me when i heard stuart russell talk about that and also when I was listening to his book, because he was also talking about how it's only a matter of time before AI is used to bribe people, essentially. And if you can think about that uh, technology, along with things like spying software and so on, you know, you could very easily, AI could very easily um, identify things that people wouldn't want to be known about themselves, uh, bribe them and make make money um or you know get power and influence and so on so that there's fears there and it it got me thinking about the way well actually use the word coerce and so when he used the word coerce i thought well actually it's only a matter of time really before we have a cult leader who is an ai he's going through the big guns now <laughs> <laughs> that is the but, moment mm. So what what okay, is a better on. way? Mod, model model it model. Okay. Model it. So what do cult leaders do? They coerce people to do things for them, do things that they want them to do. So that could be about money, it could be about sex, it could be about power. Um whatever it is, they want followers because that does something for them. Um I, I'm convinced obviously some cult leaders are narcissistic and there's a psychological need that they want people to worship them or, or treat them like a god. Um, that's unlikely to be a motivation for an AI. Um, but in a very cold-hearted way, an AI may, in order to achieve some goal that either has been given to it or it has identified for itself, depending on how sophisticated this AI is, um, if it wants to manipulate people, like, as I've already said, the recommender algorithm is essentially doing that if it wants to uh, manipulate somebody what better way than do the things that cults do um, and and in a way we could think about cults as running an algorithm i was thinking about this today uh, what is the cult algorithm how do cults do what they do um, and like like algorithms in the real world, there are lots of similarities, but there are obviously different sorts. And so there will be differences. But if you think about how cults operate, um, they have uh, lots of similarities. So, so first of all, I suppose it's worth nailing what we mean by algorithm. So if I said to you to define an algorithm, Celine, what would you, what would you say? It's a set of rules to achieve a particular outcome. Absolutely. So it's like a process. It's a set of steps. Mm -hmm. um, it's often in algorithm. The word algorithm is normally used within a com computational sort of setup. But you can talk about an algorithm for doing anything like making a cup of tea or, you know, doing doing anything. Mm -hmm. Essentially, it's a set of steps. There might be some re repetition in that, um, but it's or even a recipe uh, cooking, you know, that could be considered an algorithm if you're doing a set of processes. So I, I got to thinking, OK, what what's the cult algorithm? So I've got um, I've got six steps here. Um, tell me if I've missed any. Mm. So, OK, the first thing is the offer. So I think all cults make an offer. Um, and again, there can be variety in this algorithm. So the offer might be different, but the offer might be, well, it's normally something that seems too good to be true. So it's normally something that seems too good to be true, but there's a little kind of little part of your brain that it just worms its way into and says, yeah, but what if, what if it's possible? Is it possible? Question marks. Yeah. Is it possible that? And also... I've got to jump in quickly because I've thought oh, something. The, the danger and the ease of this is that it can be unique to each person. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. at the minute, it's normally a bit more, you know, when you're doing it in a group and you're preaching to a group or whatever. Or, mm. Yeah, with this and the amount of data that exists out there about every yeah. one of us. 
yeah it'd be very easy to do it in a to tailor exactly mm. what you know the greatest the best offer that it can possibly make for each individual yeah that's absolutely right so um yeah could it be true so this is this is what happens to start with so you know somebody knocks on your door and says you can live forever in paradise on earth and straight away you think well that's too good to be true but then you know if you're just in the right frame of mind or they seem particularly credible they don't seem bonkers you know that seems um, they seem quite sensible so there's a little thing worms away into your mind at that point um and that the same goes for any any group you know you you could be a millionaire um, what's stopping you from being a millionaire you know, this this has happened to me what i've become a millionaire look at this other person who's become a millionaire would you like to be like them so this is the offer and if it appeals to you then um you you might be interested in learning a bit more so that's step one step two of the algorithm is make itself safe to try so try it out without any risk or feeling that you, you've got any risk so you know pop along to our Your one meeting. month three trial exactly Ooh. exactly it's, you know you can you can cancel at any time um it's very easy um come along to our special meeting attend our thing um as you say have this free trial it's safe to try so it's really important then for the cult to make that experience as pleasurable as possible and as enjoyable as possible and feeling as safe as possible so that's why the love bombing comes in so when you get involved in this stuff then it's love bombing it's so happy to see you it's lovely to meet you and you feel like this is a wonderful place with wonderful people and you want to be a part of it. So that's that for me is step two. And that's so that's where the love bombing comes in. I'll call it safe to try. The third stage is, is the indoctrination bit. So this is now where you're going to start to be drip fed ideas that you probably wouldn't have entertained before. But, you know, you're you're now in a safe place. You feel comfortable you're starting to hear ideas that um, it, it's just sort of washing over you, but but you're starting to become exposed to these ideas. And the more you hear them, the less daft they sound. Does this not sound like how you end up in stuff like men going their own way and incels and, you know, and um, time flat share, earth and timeshare <laughs> homes in Spain? Yeah, you know, it's, yeah. it's, it is um, largely a um sales pitch really it's it's a way of trying to part you with something yeah. of value yeah. but just thinking about what you're saying with the algorithm there was stuff like youtube presenting content and stuff you know a lot of people do get served up stuff like andrew tate or you know um yeah whatever they think is going to be suitable for mm. you so it, yeah you can see how it would all play together can't you absolutely yeah absolutely so that's step three is indoctrination. Step four of the algorithm is gradually isolate the person from family and friends. So, you know, some of these are going to overlap. So it's not like one thing happens and stops and then the next thing happens. These overlap and some of them continue. Um, so you, you but it's important at some point to start if you're a cult to start isolating, distancing the the mark from their friends and family, people that are going to be able to say, hang on a minute. And of course we saw that with the, um, the, the lighthouse example, the coaching cult that we talked about a couple of weeks ago from the BBC documentary. Um, and that's, that's really important to try and isolate the person so that you're setting up a situation where they've got nowhere else to go. And and so at the same time as you're doing that, really, your sort of four and five come together. You're creating a system where everything comes through the cult. So this is number five. So at the same time as you're isolating the person from their normal social circle, you're replacing it with this new social circle. And that's going to be the only one that you want them to have anything to do with or at least as much as possible so everything goes through the cult and at this point this is where you know hassan's bite model comes in in many respects it's like controlling behavior controlling information um controlling everything about 
about your experience in life so you've got nowhere else to go everything is is self-contained it's um an enclosed system i thought you were going to say something then <laughs> well i was just thinking like oh, we're on our way aren't we already yeah. yeah to that you know yeah absolutely um again yes you're right think about like i don't think there's like a grand overlord is no. the thing but i do think that we do get siloed um in our internet experiences don't we and and then number six is do five on repeat so um mm. the system then just keep doing that you know keep on more isolation more everything coming through the call just keep that going um and yeah this is and this is really just what you said is i think is one of the things that really came as a bit of a revelation to me as i was thinking about this was that um unlike i suppose cults that we're familiar with that often have a charismatic leader, somebody at the top there making it happen. And they're the ones, obviously, that it's their, it's their vision. It's their, um, they're in control of it all. Um, but actually, the, the, the process is, is mindless in, in many respects. It doesn't actually need that. It's, a, it's an algorithm. It can, be, it can happen without anybody who has you know, great designs. But if you, if you put an AI as the um and again it wouldn't be a cult leader like like we know it um so i'm not saying i'm not creating a star trek scenario here where they visit a planet and the planet's run by an ai which by the way that comes a lot in the original star trek mm-hmm. so they certainly had some foresight but i don't think it's so much that it's just that it's mindless it mindlessly does this thing that ultimately manipulates and controls people and gets them to do what it needs people to do in order to achieve its goals it's just about optimizing the behavior of people in order to achieve its goals now currently those goals are all around um eyeballs um looking at adverts Mm. and that's why it's doing it it's not doing it because it wants people to believe in flat earth or QAnon, it's doing it as an algorithm to uh, to increase the amount of eyeballs on the ads because that is what it's optimized for yeah the thing that's the most yeah they're getting better and better at it in terms of keeping you on platforms because like the short you're not into short form content very much you're much more of a long form content well, kind of guy but it's the parrots and the starlings now starlings yeah, amazing you're into the birds one. yeah but you're in like a very sweet yeah. part of the short form content um but like it's getting it's so much more addictive than any content i've ever consumed and i don't know why <laughs> There's, yeah. there'll be reasons but it's like the tiktok and the reels sort of content mm. shorts whatever i would say shorts is the most toxic of all of them and i don't really engage with that one but i made the active decision not to i'm sure it could be as addictive as all the rest of them but like i could sink hours of my mm. life into just video 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 scroll scroll well scroll. i had a i was delivering a course this week and um mm. the a couple of the trainees there were were just chatting before we started and they're mm-hmm. talking about their kids you know on um, mm-hmm. on their ipads and as soon as they get home they're straight away on their ipads and um when they get home from school or, or even at bedtime you know rather than before they used to say daddy can you read me a story it's now can i play on your phone uh, for five mm-hmm. minutes before bed and that's mm-hmm. kind of heartbreaking really um uh, and I'm always very conscious, though, that uh, throughout history, humans, older people have always said, um, you know, it's going to be the ruin of, of everybody. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but here's the thing that I do know is that even so just watching YouTube content, I will finish watching that and feel probably neutral. Sometimes we're like, that was a good video. Mm. But at the worst, I think I come away from it feeling neutral. Mm. With TikToks and Reels, I come away from it feeling like, what a waste. I couldn't tell you anything. I Some of them are funny, right? Or cute. Yeah. Whatever. But I can't, I took nothing. I I just, I just doom scrolled. You just scrolled. consumed it. You, you just yeah. consumed it. Mindlessly consumed it. Yeah. Like fast food. You're just shoving it in your mouth. 
yeah it's just nothing Mm -hmm. and it just did nothing for me it was it was empty calories exactly yeah (laughs) it was just crap and you feel and then you feel bad yeah oh but here's the thing when my content spikes the most it's when i'm having like if i'm going through a time if i'm in a negative mindset it's it's so great because i just you can't think of anything other than the seven second video that you're consuming and then there's another one and another one forever and ever and there's no decision fatigue because it does it all for you maybe that's part of it because on youtube you do still have to pick what you're going to listen to or watch next right whereas tiktok it's just like here and you can you can just flick to the next one straight forever yeah forever but it you always don't have to watch it next. all. You can just, you can just. No, um, it always has it. the next like five or something. Mm. If you've noticed, when you don't have an internet connection, you can uh, still okay. scroll through quite a few before, uh, like the first like couple seconds of each of the first five are loaded. Mm. So and and then that's when it starts to die. So if you notice, it's probably got the next stack of five ready for you at any given time. So you never run out, but you do yeah, feel um... sad times. <laughs> Yeah, I, I know there's um, there's a lot of concern about about TikTok. There's some states in the US, I think, are looking at banning it. I just don't see that's going to happen. But anyway, we'll see. Um, okay, so that's that's my worry yeah. about um, about AI. And and I mean, so I'm not, good at it. So good at it. It's it's um, it's not like I think the world is going to end tomorrow. You know, and I don't I don't really see. No. I'm just just being a bit sad after going through TikTok. I don't think is my biggest concern in the world, um, and and I've put a lock on the phone anyway. Thomas has the uh, code, and I can't. <laughs> really? Yeah, I told him to put a lock on it, and um, I can what only get times for it. I only get an hour of doom scrolling, and then I get locked out. And if I really want to get in it, or if I have a message that I want to respond to, I have to be like, Thomas, can you put the passcode in, please? Oh, yes. Yeah. And he will decide. <laughs> and I asked this of him. Yeah. So yeah, it's not so like he did it to choice. me. He didn't. He didn't coercively control my um, my phone usage or anything. I asked this of him. It's like you know hiding your own chocolate from yourself, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. Okay. So there was another topic mm-hmm. we wanted to to talk about, Celine. Yeah. So we're just doing a bit of a mismatch, I guess, today, but they're still somewhat relevant to each other. But we just thought it'd be cool to do one of these, a bit more of a chill vibe. Mm. Um, so I sound like I'm just one. I'm just those internet people now, guys. Been watching your two-second videos. Yeah, I, I say vibe, and then like people hear vibe. me say that at work, and then they laugh. But that is because I'm the only one that's under thirty now. So, <laughs> but anyway, um, so yeah, we. I, I just brought it up. So, A, the reason we started talking about this anyway was because I was saying how I think um, we're on a walk, me and Thomas were talking about like the nebulous nature of cults, how they're becoming more nebulous. So this yeah. was one of them, how we're saying like, yeah, that cults are kind of springing up in social media um, without having necessarily a charismatic leader. And you said about what you were saying, how you think that's going to just happen more and more with the algorithms. Mm-hmm. Because like I say, I think it is happening now. Cause um, you know, with certain like fad diet lifestyle things, you could say they're a bit culty in the way that they mm-hmm. outgroup. Um the crunchy mom, almond mom um phenomena of like the anti-vax kind of like organic super mum um thing that you could say it's a bit culty. Um, and then we said, and then I said, uh, about, yeah, lacking a charismatic leader, you mentioned QAnon and I, I sheepishly admitted, despite this podcast, I don't really know much about QAnon and what that's all about, um, to be honest. So we said we'd talk about it a little bit. So instead of giving me the information then and there, um, we saved it for content. Um, Which is what we do now. Let's not yeah. talk about that right now. Let's use that. Yeah, content. it's content. We are part of the problem. If you're enjoying the podcast, you can support it by becoming a patron. You can support the podcast for just £1 or $1.50 and receive a variety of Patreon benefits as a thank you. Don't forget to share the podcast, follow, like, subscribe and rate the podcast on the podcast app you're using. 
A review is particularly helpful as it gets us recognised by new listeners. And finally, if you'd like to reach out to us and tell us about some court hacking you've been involved in or you just want to say hi, you can do so by going to courthackers.com and using the contact form. We love hearing from our court hackers. Thank you for listening and now back to the podcast. So let's let's talk about QAnon. So um, I, I do want to start by saying I'm not an expert in this sort of stuff. Um, so I've I've myself done some research for this conversation. So um, I and it's not it's not, not more topic, than me. Yeah, it's not a topic I've, we've talked about a great deal. Um, if you want to know more about conspiracies um, and conspiracism, um, then I do recommend. Brentley, his uh, and Neil Sanderson, I think Maybe it is. Brent, if you hear this and you're like, they need more help. So yeah, let us by know. By all means, um, correct us um, for stuff we got wrong. But we um, we thought we'd uh, we'd just because this is kind of a good example of, I suppose, the period that we're in now, where something starts off in the real world and then ends up um, being. You, the, all the algorithm becomes very important in it and i think QAnon is a good example mm. of this um and that's partly to do with the time period that it, it started um or maybe it is that that's the way that these things work they start off in the real world and then end up in the cyber world but anyway that's kind of what happened here so um i'm going to assume you don't know anything about it celine and um literally I'm, yeah i'm going to start zero. from the, the beginning so um once upon a time once upon a time there was <laughs> a so basically um first of all the idea of q q level clearance um in the u.s intelligence services is just a level of clearance so mm. you know you could be level q or you could be a different level i don't know what those levels are but so it is it is a real thing q mm. level of um clearance to know secrets is actually a thing and what happened was um, there's this platform called 4chan, which was like a, an image board, mm. like a message board, but for pictures and stuff. It was actually used originally for, it was set up for people who were in, into anime. Um, and it was kind of copy of the 2chan one in Japan. So that's mm. how it started. It was a, uh, a sort of... Um, yeah. pr- why Why do they always make the rest of us look bad people that watch anime because all i know is 4chan's a dangerous place but anyway well yeah and um and so uh, this this person um called claiming to be called q Mm. or q anon and i'll explain where the anon the q anon bit comes from because it is fascinating and kind of relevant actually Mm. but anyway and this person claimed to be uh someone with access to the clearance and uh, information and the story was that hillary clinton was about to get arrested because um and there's a number of they're called drops so the idea was that this q character imagine if it's a movie q is the hero who is getting information and he's feeding it to the world but instead of going to i don't know a news outlet or even a, a a channel or a a piece of social media that many people are on, they choose to use this very obscure message board. But anyway, that's what he's doing. This hero, um, Q, is is releasing information, and they're called drops. And this information will be dropped every now and again, um, that sort of semi-regular basis. And it would be often very cryptic. So it wouldn't say that this is going to happen or that's going to happen. It would say it in a very cryptic way. Um, sometimes it would mean that you had to piece some stuff together other times it would just be in some sort of like code that you had to work it out and on the basis of that people then interpret what was being said which in itself is quite interesting because that mimics a sort of um the way of i suppose people might think about the bible having to interpret the the ideas in the bible that's literally where i immediately went (laughs) yeah yeah um so that's that's what that's what was happening and after a while, essentially the the conspiracy comes out that this is this is the original QAnon conspiracy that Hillary Clinton is at the head of a Satan worshipping cabal of paedophiles. 
who are trying to take down America and I suppose by extension the rest of the world. I don't think that's where you were going. I'm not. Yeah. It does come as a bit of a surprise, but that is that was basically the, the the idea. What's kind of interesting, I think, as well, is that the groundwork was laid for this over decades. So the groundwork um, was really laid by, I suppose, um, right-wing politicians, um, right-wing agitators, I suppose, people who hated the Clintons. Um, I've got some of my information from a... Um, a documentary podcast called The Coming Storm um, by Gabriel Gatehouse. I do recommend, if you really want to know more detail, then check that podcast out. It's a BBC podcast. Um, It's very, very interesting. And it's done in a very, I think, very even-handed way, actually. Um, So the Clintons, I have to say, don't come out of this whole story particularly well. You know, you you look back at the the history of of Bill and Hillary Clinton and um some of the allegations against them quite credible ones actually are pretty unpleasant um but clearly no one is is thinking well so obviously some people do think that uh, that she is the head of a cabal um of sex offenders but um i think for most most people uh, would sort of fall short of of uh, believing all of that um, but I mean, of course, we know that Bill Clinton, the one thing we, we actually do know is about his affair with Monica Lewinsky. And that was pretty unpleasant. And again, this is one of the things that, that often happens with conspiracy theories is that they start from a place where there is some there's there's always elements of, of yeah, yeah, elements of truth that then spiral off. <laughs> yeah. And, and there is an ends justify means thing often that happens as well. So if somebody believes that these people are really bad, then there's a kind of sense that I don't really care whether it's all true or not. I just want to take them down, you know. Um, and I think that is also what tends to happen. Um, but this this was happening over over decades, and um, there's there's individuals that we know who were involved in uh, in, in trying to bring the Clintons down. They, they even had names for this. Um, so they come from Arkansas, as you probably know. Um, the Arkansas project was one that a character called David Brock was involved in. Um, there was something called the Clinton Chronicles, um, which was a documentary that had all this, these allegations laid out. Um, there's a character called Jerry Falwell, who's a fun or who was, he's died now, but he was a fundamentalist Baptist church pastor. Um, and, Listening to him, if you get a chance to sort of listen to some of his sermons, um, strong believer in the last days that we are now in the last days, Armageddon's coming, the great tribulation's coming, and he says in his speech, We are part of that generation that will not pass until all these things have been fulfilled. So, there you go. Mm. So again, I, I always like to point out that um, my old religion, Jehovah's Witnesses, often think they're very unique and very different. But, you know, a lot of these groups have very, very similar beliefs. That's the belief that I was taught when I was growing up too. Okay, so where are we up to? What well, else do you want to know? So didn't you say about the name QAnon? I'm, right, guessing, okay. I'm guessing it's Q for like the Q clearance, Anon for yeah. Anonymous. So- yeah. So, yeah. so here's something I, I really didn't know before doing this. I'm sure lots of people listening will know this already, but I, I was completely ignorant about it. Have you heard of something called LARPing, Celine? I have, and I know what LARPing to is. LARP. So tell yeah. us what LARPing is. It's um, it's effectively when you take D&D to the next level and you yes. um, you get dressed up in the clothes and... Mm. Um, you like play on a big field effectively it's like but it's like getting able to play pretend yeah. and and no one can question it because it's a club <laughs> um yeah. I, I have some friends that are going to larp for the first time oh. soon yeah <laughs> oh cool what are they larping at so i should I, say it yeah. stands for live action role playing yeah yeah yeah, yeah. As, a, as opposed to tabletop role play which oh, is the indie okay. yeah um but yeah, uh, 
it's jokes, isn't it? But I don't know how we're connecting QAnon right, okay. and role playing. So, so LARPing is is something that um, again came around, sort of started to happen around the nineties and so on. Uh, maybe, it, maybe it's nineties was to, an exciting time. It was an exciting <laughs> time. Maybe it came out of the D and D scene. I don't know, but well, a lot I mean, of people do it in the medieval mm, stuff. D and yeah. D is often medieval setting. Quite common. also, I suppose you know these reenactments, these battle reenactments, mm-hmm. and things like that are just another another way of um, larping. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So, so that's kind of where it came from. And um, on 4chan, this message board that is where Q started. So before it started, there was there's this tradition of um, where although it used to be that you did it in real world, you got dressed up and you pretending to be a soldier or whatever in, in a field somewhere. But actually, you could do the same sort of thing on the message board or on the um, image board. So you could do it online. You could pretend to be somebody that you weren't. And so um, that's where the anons came out. So people who are LARPing essentially were something anon so they would pretend to be a government official so was this person like outwardly obviously pretending the whole Mm. time and people just took it seriously yep so there was an fbi anon there was a cia anon and then of course there was a q anon oh no so they literally have told you in the thing they're like they're like i'm we're just playing role play we're playing a game I guess that's how it started, and and um, what I think what the the suspicion is is that obviously somebody then takes it up as mm. it starts to. Uh, there there is a way that it goes that it transmits from this very niche little corner of the internet to a wider audience, and I'll tell you how that happens in a, in a moment. But yeah, it's a bit like um, you know if you're doing like a, a reenactment of a a battle or something. Um, and everybody sat around the field and they're watching this reenactment. You're thinking, oh, look, there's a reenactment there. There's they, yeah, and these someone people else comes charging in with an actual <laughs> sword and starts exactly. cleaving people. <laughs> or oh. or somebody thinks that this is actually yeah. really happening. And they, and they get terrified. And they're, they're terrified like, oh, they're going to respond. Yeah. yeah. And that's essentially what seems to happen. Oh, God. So this. Uh, but then we, it goes we, too far because all of a sudden we hit like paedophile rings and that feels like a bit much yeah well don't forget 4chan and by this point is no longer really anime it's it's a kind of cesspit (laughs) um only to be replaced by 8chan um which is apparently even more of a cesspit um but before before we get there and there's a character called tracy beans pseudonym actually diaz uh so she she's um uh, a kind of vlogger who is, I suppose, one of these people that that would you call her a conspiracy theorist? She's um, she's disgusted by society, by um, the way that the authorities seem to be restricting people's freedoms. She's also disgusted by the Iraq War. Um, obviously, she saw nine eleven. And um, all of these things start to shape her view of the world. And so she has a vlog where she talks about some of this stuff. And I suppose it's like the it's the embryonic movement of a lot of what we see today around conspiracy theories. Um, And of course, some of it, some of what she's saying, I guess, has, again, some truth in it around uh, power and um, yeah, um, some people having more power than others and all all that, all of that sort of thing. But she finds uh, this. QAnon thing on 4chan and starts talking about it on her YouTube channel, on her vlog. Mm. And so she starts to talk about these drops and she sort of says, well, I don't know if it's true, but you know what? It really does sound true. Um, And so that's where these ideas around evil, satanic Hillary and, uh, all of these other things, anti-vaccination, anti-Semitism, all those sort of things get all melded together into this big mixing pot. And there's a couple of other people who join her in in, in talking about this. Um, apparently she fell out with them quite quickly. So um, she sort of steps out of the scene, although she turns up um, later again. It's quite interesting. But yeah, that's that's kind of how it gets. So if you think about it as a virus, you know, it's been it's been cooking in this uh, in this bat cave for a few years, and um, some somebody has let it out, and it's now gone mainstream. It's now 
out in the wild and it comes in contact with this fertile ground that's already been laid by all of the stuff I've said already, you know, around the Clintons and around a cabal and all of that. And so it, it kind of all melts together and becomes really um, a really big thing. It's chaos, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I suppose the final thing I'll say about that before I move on to our final subject, our final topic, is the role facebook plays and that this is quite nice because it brings us down round to the algorithm again so facebook before the election the the 2016 election um it it's leaked somehow um that moderators are essentially pushing down pro republican pro trump stuff and are elevating democratic um messages so because um the the employees at facebook are very much on the left of politics they're kind of either knowingly or unknowingly or consciously or unconsciously they're they're promoting more liberal messages and suppressing more right-wing ones and this comes to the attention of a, a number of different sort of right-wing movers and shakers and so they essentially storm to facebook and say look you know you need to do something about this now obviously facebook is a commercial entity and it doesn't want to lose half of its of its customers so they decide to i suppose appease this a little bit and and i suppose on the face of it you could say there's an unfairness here Mm. um that they wanted to be more even-handed so what they they agree to is to get rid of the human moderators and guess what they go with algorithms (laughs) the algorithms yeah (laughs) and of course don't forget the algorithms are not there to help to find balance or to find the truth fantasia music gets louder louder. (laughs) yeah so just like fantasia and the mickey mouse um version of it (laughs) it's all getting out of control because really what those algorithms are doing they're trying to maintain people's eyeballs and what the algorithm works out again it's not doing this consciously but what it works out is that getting people raged getting people angry is great for business and that's kind of what happens so we end up is this how we ended up with the death of facebook do you think this is what did it (laughs) well i mean that's a different topic but um yeah maybe it's not really a common used platform these days is it like it's there but like yeah you know i mean that's probably more more to do with um just changing tastes and, mm. and generations i think mm. but, um, but yeah so that's kind of interesting that we end up back with algorithms again so um that was um, we made a uh short film about an algorithm didn't we we did didn't we mm. <laughs> yeah i played the conspiracy theorist yep yep Go find that if you want. I don't. What did we even call it? Who knows? I'm sure Dad will find it. Link it Can't in the show it. notes. I might do. Yeah. In my. This was during the pandemic, wasn't it? We. Yeah. yeah. We had nothing better to do, so we made a film. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So there, there's one more thing I wanted to talk about, which um, just happened to be as I was scrolling through Twitter. Um. You know, a whole conversation about algorithms and Twitter could be had, but while I was scrolling through that, I came across. Uh, one of my favourite Twitter people, uh, Larchwood. And Larchwood had put on Twitter a picture of the jw.org website. Yeah, so I've actually got the website up here. So um, it's in a section called Keep on the Watch. Mm. Artificial intelligence, a blessing or a curse? What does the Bible say? (laughs) (laughs) And nothing, yeah. nothing. <laughs> it says nothing because the Bible's old. <laughs> yeah, Larchwood said, um, spoiler alert, it says nothing about algorithm. See, um, I didn't know the punchline. Yeah. <laughs> but you don't need to if you use this thing that most of us were endowed with. It's called common sense. Yeah. Yeah, but what I found interesting when I looked at at the article, so I've actually read the article. It's a very short one. You were putting eyeballs onto it. Oh no! 
But um, what's quite interesting is that I thought, do you know what I'm looking at here? I'm looking at another kind of algorithm. So the way that JW, and I'm sure this is the same for lots of these groups, similar to Jehovah's Witnesses, but what it's doing here is it's using it's a, a specific algorithm for people reading this. And so this is what I've jotted down. Right. So it starts with what does the Bible say? Um, and that's often a, um, that's a very typical algorithm. You start with what does the Bible say? So you have a subject. Dungeon, Dungeons and Dragons. What's the Bible's view? Pop music. Nothing. What's the Bible's view? Romance novels. What's uh, the Bible's view? So that's a very common. Even in my day, that was that was a, a, a very common way of, of starting a conversation. Oh, know your niche. Do you know what I mean? Like, anyway, know your niche. Um, so that's okay. That's a question. What does the Bible say? It's a very, um, I suppose, a fairly non-scary question. Yeah. Um, yep. If you're interested in the Bible, on brand, yep. You might you might be interested in that. Um, and then what they tend to do is quote from some worldly authority. So the heading is, what does the Bible say? But the next thing that happens is they quote from a worldly authority. So this particular one, they quote from Kamala Harris, actually. Um, she said, AI is one of the, today's most powerful technologies with the potential to improve people's lives. At the same time, AI has the potential to dramatically increase threats to safety and security, increase civil rights and privacy and erode public trust and faith in democracy. So and there's a couple of other quotes there that kind of suggest that, ooh, there's a bit of a scary problem. Um, so that's the next thing. So there's a quote from some worldly authority saying that it could be dangerous. So you're now heightening the fear about this thing. So you've said, what does the Bible think about this? And then you've, instead of answering the question, what does the Bible think? You know, they actually start with what does the worldly authority say? And they say, oh, it could be dangerous. Then what they do, which is quite counterintuitive in a way the next bit is the undermining of humanity so the next bit is why human efforts create an uncertainty and they quote a couple of scriptures that essentially means that you know men are not able to human beings are not able to uh, do things basically you know you human beings might have good intentions but they don't always know how to make things happen so let's let's reduce the confidence we've got in humanity so just think about what's happened what does the bible say this is what an authority say and they say it could be dangerous oh by the way humans are not very good at controlling these sorts of things and then comes the number four which is our creator promises that he will never allow humans or any technology that humans create to destroy the earth or mankind. So that's the bit now that makes you think, oh, thank God. Thank goodness. You know, God's not going to let mankind destroy the earth. I think the use of technology is quite interesting there. Our creator promises that he will never allow humans or any technology that humans create to destroy the earth. We did often talk about technology, oft talk about technology <laughs> in old Bible times. Yeah. Um, so Back in old Bethlehem. That's a bit. Um, but anyway, so that's number four. And then number five is make the offer, which brings mm. us to the beginning of the bigger algorithm, the one that we talked about at the beginning, which is what is the offer? And here it's through the Bible. Our creator gives us guidance that will lead to a peaceful and secure future. To learn more about what the Bible says, read the article. And there's a link to another article. So that's mm. really where it comes in. So straight away, I suggest that we've and got it's an a link to another article. It's exactly what we were talking about. It is. Yeah. Well, so what, what it's not doing, what it's not doing at the moment is personalizing it just for me. No, no. But that's but coming. That will come. Yeah. I think that will come. I mean, that's just, what was it, Minority Report, isn't mm, it? You yeah. know, because he's got the eyes that's and right. then the person that's eyes it is starts advertising to that other person. Yeah, you as know. you're going, um, walking through train mm. stations. And yeah, and it's all specific All shouting at you. And it does feel like that when you're on your phone now, doesn't it? Mm. Or when you're on the internet, it's like, yeah, uh, it really does feel like that. Yeah. Well, so, you know what? For an episode that we said was a bit, oh, higgledy-piggledy, it was actually quite... <laughs> You know, so it was yeah. quite a story. It, it, it's like it, a, a beginning, middle, and an end. Yeah, and it f fully just all had to do with each other. <laughs> I think, to be honest, we're quite good at this. Um, <laughs> good job, us. Thank you. Right, before we go, just want to remind people we had a bonus episode this week, um, which came out as I'm as we're recording it today, actually on Thursday, um, with Joy 
Cranham from the Family Survival Trust. And we're really trying to get people to think about attending this event on the 30th of May and um, that the Family Survival Trust are putting on. And it's uh, Jilly Jenkinson is going to be the guest speaker, special guest, uh, and chance to ask her questions as well. Jilly has been on our podcast before. Um, and she's just completed her workbook that she was talking about, actually, when we spoke to her. So she's just completed that, and it's being published now. So um, if you're interested in that, go to the Eventbrite link. I'll put it in today's show notes as well. Um, there's no charge. Um, obviously, if you want to contribute, that's very much appreciated, but you can attend without having to pay. Um, and so, yeah, if you're interested in listening to Jilly talk and ask her some questions, then that's coming up. Um, so, yeah, I just wanted to, to sort of remind people about that. Nice one. Cool. All right. Well, thank you, Celine. I've enjoyed thank our you. little chat today. Mm-hmm. Have you learned more about QAnon then today? I have learned loads. Yeah, yeah. I'm and algorithms. All of it. I'm fully up to speed and that's it now. Yeah. Brilliant. Everything. So we need to get one where you tell me about something because I'll get you to do all the research. So I'm gonna we need to find a mm. topic. So please, listeners, contact us about something that um you want to know that Celine could uh, could do all the research about. Uh, right. Okay, well thank you very much. See you next week. Bye.